Our sermon today is entitled Advancing the Cause of Christ Through Public Praise. And our scripture is taken from Psalms 96, and your Bible's in, in front of you there, it's on page 629. Psalms 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. May God bless the reading of this precious word. Well, howdy. Uh, I just want to say, before I forget... They surprised me by sticking this throne up there on the end that <laughs> looks different from all these other chairs. And then, and then somehow that was the only chair left when I got up there. And I thought, they're going to think I put this up here on purpose so I can look like... Felt kind of good though. I, have to know. <laughs> uh, I want to take a minute before we dive into today's message... And, and just take a moment to remember our friend Joe Wilson who passed away this past week. And for uh, if you've been a part of our church for very long, then uh, you know, he hadn't been able to come in a little while. But if you've been here a few years, then you'd remember uh, Joe Wilson. And, and one of the things you'd probably remember about him is that he was always what we call a character. Right, he was he was a character, and and I looked forward each week to seeing what kind of uh, you know barb or joke he would have for me that week <laughs> that he would sting me with, and then usually uh, he'd say with the straightest face you ever saw, and then follow it up with a big old grin, <laughs> and uh, and so we uh, miss having his uh, smiles and his humor around here, and and just him around here, and. And uh, the, so let's just take a moment and let's say a prayer for the family today, and uh, and then we'll dive into this morning's message. God, we thank you just for the opportunity uh, to be in your house today to sing these songs of praise, and uh, we want to just take a time out for a second and and bring to you the Wilson family and and friends, and uh, Lord, we know that uh, this is a time of grief for them and so we ask Holy Spirit that you would be their comforter 
their comforter and their source of peace and their source of strength in this season. Pray that you would remind them of your great faithfulness and, uh, and see them through. We thank you, God, for uh, the fond memories that we have that we can uh, hang on to and, and we give you uh, praise for Joe's life and for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we've been talking through advancing the cause of Christ, and basically what we've been doing through this series is, is talking about a lot of ways that we can promote the gospel, that we can advance the cause of Christ. You know, a lot of times when we hear the word evangelism or outreach, we automatically go in our minds to, uh, you know, sharing the gospel uh, with our mouths or with a track or, you know, standing out on the street and walking up to strangers or going door to door or all these things that scare most of us to death, right? Uh, but the truth is that when we all, when we become a Christian, we are all automatically signed up for the cause of Christ. But the good news is we're not all called to do it the exact same way. We're not all called to be evangelists in that sense. But there are things that all of us can do. And there are many things that we're all called to do. And so we've looked at a lot of those. Uh, and so far we haven't really said a thing about using your lips. That may change a little bit today and it'll change some more uh, here in a week or two. But today we're going to talk about advancing the cause of Christ through our public praise, through our worship. But we've already looked at advancing the cause of Christ through our prayer, through our giving, uh, you know, through our behavior and through the good things that we do as a church and the community and so forth. And so this is, we're just adding another layer to it, another, another way that we can advance the cause of Christ today. Now before we get into this subject of worship and praise, uh, I have to just you know, say and remind you, if you haven't, uh, or if you didn't know and you haven't been here that long, you haven't heard me tell it, I have not always been a pastor. Of course, you know, no one's ever always been a pastor. You're a kid at some point. But even before I went into any kind of ministry, I had a, a, a short-lived career in education. And I was a history teacher for a few years. And then... From there, I became a worship pastor. And I had already been leading worship before I ever took a worship pastor position. And so for about a decade, I was immersed, you know, you could say, in the world of, of worship leadership and uh, worship pastoring. And so this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. And it's one that I've got a lot of experience with and have done a lot of learning in this area and so forth. And, you know, we would have conferences. Sometimes I would go to conferences and workshops on, on this subject. And other times I would teach them. But I remember going to a workshop. We had, In fact, I think we brought in a guest to, to uh, do a workshop with our worship ministry at our church. And I remember he put this picture up on the screen and, and he said, Does this look familiar? And it was a picture kind of like this. He said, does this look familiar? And he said, does this look anything like the faces you see when you're on the stage leading worship, staring back at you? <laughs> and we all laughed, not because, uh, not because it was so outlandish, but because it was so strikingly similar <laughs> to the faces that we looked out and saw so often on Sunday mornings. Now, that was a different church. I wasn't here, uh, you know, and... Certainly, you know, but other churches have people that, you know, make those faces during worship. And uh, it's just, you know, a shame that sometimes when we're in the worship service setting, we uh, don't always maybe look the way that we think we look <laughs> or, uh, or look the way that perhaps we ought to look. And, uh, you know, of course, there's always the old adage of... Uh, 
Well, God looks at the heart, right? Not the exterior. But I've got a feeling God can see the outside too. <laughs> and uh, so I, I want to make sure that hopefully uh, when God looks at me, the inside and the outside are both looking sharp when I'm worshiping Him. And, uh, you know, today we're just going to talk a little bit about our worship, our praise. Uh, the idea that if we will worship well, there's a chance that one of the results of that could be that we would advance the cause of Christ. So I want you to do kind of a, a take a passion inventory on your worship. How much, you know, do you look forward to worshiping? How much uh, do you engage when we do worship together? Do the conditions have to be just perfect? A lot of us, we, we fall into that category. If it's not our song or our kind of song, if, you know, if it's not in a hymnal or if it's not on a screen or if it's not you know, just a certain way or if it's not you know, the way it was in our old country church, right? Then, then we're not able to engage or we choose not to, one or the other. How's your passion meter? You know, I would guess that we've all been to churches and worship services you know, where you, were, you walked away saying, Wow, what spirit, what energy, what passion for the Lord. And we probably also walked away from some worship services and thought, Was anyone besides me even singing? <laughs> or maybe you said, Well, I'm glad none of the rest of them wanted to sing. <laughs> I don't know where you're at. But today we're going to take inventory. We want to know, is our passion for worshiping God something that He would be impressed with and honored by, first and foremost? And secondly, is our passion for worshiping God something that would maybe raise the eyebrows of people who aren't churchy people, who maybe don't even, aren't even sure what they believe about God and about Jesus and this whole worship thing? Would they come away impressed with your devotion? And your passion for the Lord after seeing you worship our God. And today, what I want to do first is just use that, look at that passage in Psalm 96 that we read just a few moments ago and kind of just build a foundation first off for this idea of our praise not just being off in its own little category, but also being a way that the cause of Christ is advanced. And when we look at, at Psalm 96, you might could summarize it this way, publicly praise God because He is the only true God. If you look at the whole psalm and what it says, you could summarize it that way. Now just to give you some quick background, if you're not familiar with the psalms, there's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. You know, the Bible is not just a book, it's a collection of books. And right in the middle of it is kind of a, a hymnal, <laughs> sort of like a hymnal. 150 songs called Psalms. And, and they don't write out the music for us. It would have sounded pretty different than the way we sing them now, when they sing them then. And that's alright, isn't it? The truths are still as true today as they were 3,000 years ago. And we still sing them. 
just with different melodies and different tunes. So many, most of the, the hymns and the modern songs that we sing are still rooted and based in the Psalms, and they still songwriters uh, of worship songs, any kind of worship song. They go back to the Psalms time and time again because it's like the songbook of the Bible. Jesus knew these songs and sang these songs with his disciples. He referenced these psalms at different times, including while he was on the cross. He referenced the first line of a psalm, which was a way of referencing the entire song. Just like many of our hymns, right? They're titled by the first line. You know, as they just use it as the title as well. And in many cases, that was the case back then too. Just the first line brought to mind for people that knew it, the whole song. And, and Jesus referenced Psalm 22 while he was on the cross. And people who heard it would have thought about the whole thing, not just that first line. Publicly praise God because he's the only true God. We might say this is the theme of Psalm 96, but it's a theme that runs through many of the Psalms and certainly the whole Old Testament and even in our New Testament. But look at some of the ways that it says this and communicates this. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory. Where? Just in your church? Just in your car with the radio on? (laughs) Just in the shower while it's loud and no one can hear you? No. Declare it among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord. Here's why. See? Four. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. And echoing this a few verses later. Say among the nations. Public. The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And time and again, he comes back to the reason why. Which is because he's the one true God. All the other gods, they're false gods. But our God is the real God. He's the one that created everything in heaven and earth. You know, we've been looking at this series kind of on Wednesday nights in a different vein. You know, we've been, it hasn't been the same exact topics each time. But one of the things that we mentioned a few weeks back Um, on Wednesday night was that our mission to advance the cause of Christ is not just a rescue mission. That's the way we tend to think of it. It's not just a rescue mission to, you know, it is partly for God so loved the world that he gave his son uh, so that none would have to die. So it's a rescue mission, but it's also a reality mission. A reality mission. And you see it here. The reason that the psalmist gives for declaring the praises of God in public is so that they'll know that the Lord reigns. That there's only one true God and that all the other gods are false gods. They're proclaiming reality. And and also Jesus says, when he sends the the church out in the Great Commission, right? Go therefore and make disciples. You know, that whole deal. Which is when he passed on the mission of advancing the cause of Christ to us. He began by saying... All power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of that, go make disciples. 
So ours is not just a rescue mission, but a reality mission. Our God is the one true God, and His Son, Jesus Christ, is the one true King. We believe that to be the case, and so we can't just hold that in like we have some secret truth. God asks us to publicly declare it. And so when we do, when we publicly praise God because He is the only true God, God obviously receives honor and glory and credit from that, but also the cause of Christ is advanced. Now the reason that we come and worship, the reason that we come is is not to advance the cause of Christ. The reason that we worship is ever and always because there's only one God who's worthy of our worship. Because we need to give God the credit that only He deserves. And so we come and we worship. That's the only right reason to worship God is because He alone deserves that worship. So it's not the reason that we worship, but it is a result, biblically, if we worship well. If we worship well, then people will see it and be drawn to our God. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. will see our passionate worship. They'll see us worshiping well. And they'll be drawn to our God. They'll come to recognize, hey, maybe their God does reign. They seem pretty confident about it. <laughs> they seem pretty passionate about it. Maybe I should look into this. And so what I want to do in the last few minutes here is just, as we kind of try to get practical with it, is ask the question, how do we worship well then? I mean, it's one thing to say that we worship. It's one thing to come to worship. But how do we worship well? And I just want to offer two ideas to you today. We can probably list a whole bunch, but we're going to keep it to two because we're you know, going to go eat lunch here in a little bit and we don't want that to be too late. Now, I have to give you a, a, one more disclaimer real quick before I put this slide up there. I'm not much of an alliteration guy. You know, some pastors always have the same letter for every point, you know, and it's real fancy and I'm just, I'm not wired that way. But, uh, but today I could not resist. There were just too many letter P's available to not do it. So, here it is. Passionate public praise possesses priority and potency. I, I debated between potency and power, and, but we went with potency, alright? So this is a lot of P's. And I should make you all say it. Let's just say it. It's a lot of fun. Why don't we do it? Here we go. You ready? Passionate public praise possesses priority and potency. You better be glad I used this little lapel here because if I was like one of those old-timey preachers right here in this microphone, we would have been <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> you know it's true. Let's talk about one at a time. Priority and then potency. If we're going to worship well, if it's going to be passionate, public praise, the kind of praise that honors God and draws people to Him, then it ought to have these two characteristics. And let's, so let's talk about the priority. In Hebrews 10, verse 25, we find out that making worship, public praise a priority has been a problem 
for almost 2,000 years. <laughs> and, uh, and so this, in this letter to the churches, we, we read this. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So even way back then at the beginning, there were some who got in the habit of failing to meet together. Now it's interesting because when we read about the early, early church, they would meet almost daily together. And so this may mean that, boy, they were only showing up once a week. <laughs> we don't know exactly what the context was. But for whatever reason, there was a failure to meet together faithfully and regularly. There was a failure to prioritize their public praise and their gathering together. We know in the early church that from many examples that they loved to gather together, to worship together in the temple or in the synagogues. Uh, what, you know, that was what they had for churches back then. In each, in each other's homes, they would gather, they would sing, they would pray. It was a priority. And so, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, you're here. <laughs> But maybe, maybe someone's listening online or somewhere and, and it just hasn't been a priority for you in a while to get out and gather with other believers and publicly praise the Lord. I want to challenge you to do so. Just as the early church had to be challenged to do so. In our culture, we severely undervalue and underestimate our need for community and we underestimate and we undervalue the the effects the good effects the results of gathering together to publicly praise God it's something that God's people have been doing for thousands and thousands of years even before Jesus and certainly while Jesus was here he modeled it and certainly the apostles modeled it and passed it on to the churches. And so we must also carry on the torch and prioritize public praise. Now you might be thinking, how public is this really? I mean, we're inside a church. You know, there's cars driving by out there, but they don't really see what's going on. You know, how, how public really is this? Well, how public was it for them? You know, in temples and in synagogues. And yet, people know. People know. In their day, you know, the whole nation pretty much shut down once a week for worship, right? The Sabbath day. They had umpteen rules about what you could do and mostly what you couldn't do. And, and so things just shut down. You know, if you were out of town coming to do business, good luck on the Sabbath day. Nowadays, you know, we used to be that kind of that way in America too a little bit. Um, nowadays, you know, it's just Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. <laughs> and, uh, and we get frustrated because we want Chick-fil-A after church on Sunday morning. They're not even open. But... But people know that Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are weird, right? And, and probably if they stop to look up why, they find out why they're closed. But not just that. You know, in, in our day and time, when you wake up in the morning and you get dressed for church, your kids are finding out that it's a priority if you've got kids at home. 
when you walk out to your car and you drive and you pull out of the driveway while your neighbor is mowing the lawn he knows <laughs> they know they know where you're going when you when you drive to church when you park out there in the parking lot people know that people are gathering to publicly praise God when you go to eat afterwards they know where you're coming from they do which by the way it's a different sermon for a different day make sure you treat your server with decency and kindness and respect and a tip <laughs> since you are representing Jesus Christ in that moment even if you're not wearing your Cypress Street t-shirt that day they know you came from somewhere worshiping God so represent him well your buddies know when they say hey you want to go play golf with us this Sunday morning uh, I can't I'll be missing that tea time <laughs> they know your friends know your other parents of other kids know if, if there's sometimes extracurricular things you have to say no to because you feel like you need to prioritize church that day now I'm not trying to set up a new brand of legalism <laughs> of you know rules and everything like they had in Jesus' day about what you could do and what you can't do on Sundays and all that kind of thing. I'm just asking you to prayerfully consider where your priorities are. And a good question to ask would be, if you've got kids at home, it would be, what would your kids say your priorities are? Would your kids say your priorities are sleep, <laughs> church, sports, Vacations, You know, what, what would be communicated to them? Would they see that public praise is a big priority for their parents or not? Let's make it a priority. That's the first part of worshiping well. We can't really worship well, can we? We, can't, we wouldn't call it passionate if it's not a priority. And so that's the first thing we have to do. The second thing we want to talk about is, is potency. We want to avoid this. Alright? We want to avoid the cow face syndrome <laughs> in our worship. We want our worship to be something that, you know, because not only is our worship public in the sense that people, you know, see it driving by, but unbelievers come to church sometimes trying to sort things out or because they got suckered into it by a family member or a friend or whatever the case may be uh, someone twisted their arm and got them here or they're just feeling like something's missing in their life or they're going through a hard time or whatever the case may be and they come and they show up and they're in our midst and sometimes they come all the time and you don't even know whether they're a Christian or not and they're here and they're watching and what do they see when they're here and they're watching is it a passionate kind of worship? Is it potent, powerful? Can they tell just by being in the room that this is a group of people who passionately love the Lord? There's been much written and discussed about the state of singing in our world today, in our culture. Not just not the world. There's parts of the world where they still sing great. But here in America... <laughs> not too many people learn singing in school anymore or growing up we're, we're a couple generations probably removed from when people knew how to sing the part that best fit their voice and so forth 
Uh, that's a big reason why uh, hymnals aren't as popular as they used to be because people don't know what to do with them. The younger generations, they, it's confusing. <laughs> it's, a, it's the state of, of singing, and, are, and there's some folks who think that it, you know, the church's job to teach music education, maybe it is, or that it's the school's job to teach it, maybe it is, but it really it's just a symptom of a larger thing in our culture right now. And I don't really know what the answer to it is or if it's just something we have to wait out or what. But we're in the mode in America for the most part that singing and music in general is better left to the professionals. <laughs> you know, we kind of have a specialized society nowadays. We prefer that the cooking be left to the professionals. You know, that the music be left to the professionals. That you know, the jobs on you know fixing our car would be better to leave that to the professionals. <laughs> we have lots of people who are specialized in different areas, and we feel like we ought to kind of leave that to them. And so, singing—it's just better left to the people. <laughs> who are the singers, right? And we might sing in our car if we turn the radio up loud enough to where we don't really hear ourselves. We might sing in the shower while no one else is around. Um, we might sing at a concert if it's our favorite song and they've turned up the music loud enough that nobody can hear anything, right? <laughs> we, there are certain situations where we might be, uh, you might catch us singing, but... They're rare and they're few and they're far between. And this is carried over into the church as well. That We get there and we're like, well, there's people who are the singers and they're on the stage. And they will lead the singing. And we might mutter along a little bit, but it's kind of their thing. And you see this in all kinds of churches. I've been to a lot of different kinds of worship services. Probably many of you have as well. You know, I've been at worship services that were very traditional. And all they sang were hymns. And, and all it was was older folks who grew up with those hymns their whole life long and they were singing the same songs they knew when they were five and you couldn't hear them sing it. <laughs> They're just standing there looking at their books if they even opened it, right? I've been to those kinds of worship services. And I've also been to the same kind of worship service where even the youth are belting it out and singing it with all they've got. And on the flip side of that, I've been to very contemporary and modern worship services where there were older generations belting it out and giving it all they had. Even though it may not be quite their thing and they may mess up how it, they're giving it. Ooh, they got it. <laughs> they're getting after it. And at the same time, I've been to modern contemporary worship services where everyone's standing. <laughs> the lights are going. <laughs> the smoke machine's going so you know the Holy Spirit must be there somewhere because the smoke machine's going. And, and yet... You can't hear anybody doing anything there except... Oh. <laughs> I've even been to those kinds of worship services where the people behind me were talking so loud to try and talk over the music <laughs> that I couldn't even sing. And I wanted to. So this is not a style issue. This is not a methods issue. Certainly, uh, there are things we can do and that we try to do to make it to remove as many obstacles as possible but in our diverse age today where there's you know older folks are completely uncomfortable with one style of music and younger folks don't even know what to do with the older style of music and we have challenges that we face no doubt about it you know we do things like we try to at, at our church if you ever feel like wow this 
feels like we're singing a little lower than the notes on the page look when you open a hymnal that's because we are <laughs> because most people nowadays sing the melody and the melody in your hymnal was written for sopranos only and so we have to look we do things intentionally around here to try to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to engage with songs when we do a new song we don't sing it in Chris Tomlin's key because that guy practically is a soprano don't tell him I said that surely he doesn't listen to our podcast right you won't ever hear that. Um, but, you know, we can only do so much, and we're never going to be perfect at it. And the people that are up here leading aren't going to be perfect at it. And when we plan it, it's not going to be a perfect plan. But we can each make a decision to come and give it our best, can't we? Week in and week out, we can come ready to give it all we got. May not always be pretty. That's all right. We may not sound as uh, perfect pitch as as the Church of Christ folks. Man, I've heard some of it. So I don't know if they're all that way, but I've heard some Church of Christ groups sing that you know they just they don't use music. They just pitch pipe and they're off to the races and four part harmony and they can still get it done. At least some of them. We may not be there. <coughs> But that doesn't mean that when someone comes and sits in here, they can't leave impressed with the energy and the passion that went into our worship. It's the difference between praise God from whom all blessings flow or Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now, which one of those would do something for you if you were there, you know? If it was your first time there. We don't want people to walk away from Cypress Street Church of God with a bad impression of God. Forget us. We don't want someone to leave here and with, without the feeling that, wow... That's an awesome God. Or at least they sure think He is. (laughs) I realize that it may be what I'm asking, a challenge. Maybe uncomfortable. I would challenge you with this kind of last argument, if I can make one, one last argument, is that don't ever offer God something that doesn't cost you something. And if it's going to be really costly to get you to sing out or to engage outwardly in some fashion, to have an expression on your face that looks nothing like those cows, if it's going to cost you something, then good. I think God will be honored by it that much more than He would from someone who's given it all they got and it's easy. That's what they like to do. Disclaimer, obviously you know my bias on this. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a worship pastor who grew up in a, in a musical family with a musical history and heritage. I mean, you know, my, my grandparents were singing in family quartets in the church, you know, decades ago. And, you know, I got it honest. And, and I love it. And so it's not hard for me. And I realize that it is harder for some folks than than I can probably even imagine. 
But I just want to cast a vision for our worship. I want to say first, you know, that nothing worthwhile comes easy. Practice does help, doesn't it? But you have to start practicing. And I just want to cast a vision for our church that we would, here at 1401 Cypress Street, be the kind of place that when people come, they leave impressed with God. Because of the potency and the power and the quality and the passion behind our worship. That we may not be as big as some church down the street. We may not be charismatic, quote unquote. (laughs) But we are passionate about worshiping our God. I just came from a state meeting, a minister's meeting down in Natchitoches. And, uh, you know, a lot of ministers and lay leaders from around the state. And it's a, it's a unified assembly, black and white, together, in the same room. And I, I love it. And it's, it's nothing like most of our churches. When you get all those ministers in the room and all those lay leaders in the room, I don't know what it is about the, the culture there. But probably if you showed up there, you'd think it was Pentecostal. <laughs> you know, maybe minus the, the tongues or whatever. But they get after it, I'm telling you. <laughs> and it's good. The preacher this, this last weekend, you know, he, he stood up um, Friday night and said something along the lines. Of, he said, my daddy, whose daddy was a preacher too, he said, my daddy used to say, you know, when people get worried about emotions and all that in, in church, he used to say, well, you've got to feel something sometime. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to feel something sometime. If you never feel anything, how would you know if it went missing? <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't miss it if you lost it. And so you've got to feel something sometimes. Not everyone is going to stand up and, woo, and shout and, you know, get crazy. Some people are going to be quiet and they're going to be moved to tears. Maybe the tears won't even come, but when you look at their face, you can see it written all over their face that they are engaged and they are passionate about worshiping God. So I want to challenge you today as we wrap this up. We're going to publicly praise God because He is the only true God, but if we do it well... And passionately, giving it priority and throwing in some potency. And I believe it will also have the result of advancing the cause of Christ. You agree? So let's make this something we work towards. And we're going we're gonna to sing in just a moment. And I'm going to give you a do-over on how great thou art. Now, it wasn't bad the first go-around. It wasn't bad. I'm not saying you failed or anything like that. I mean, I'd give you a C plus, Maybe a B minus. <laughs> but we're going to stand up and we're going to do a do-over. Verses 1, 3, and 4. And, uh, you know, maybe hymnals aren't your thing and you've never opened a hymnal before. Well, grab one up. <laughs> we're going to do it. It's, uh, we've got the page number 47. While you're looking it up, I'm going to 
say a prayer and then we're going to dive in Father thank you for the heritage our heritage of worship rich and passionate worship that reaches back so far and we confess that sometimes our comfort level with music our, our priorities and various obstacles that we face in our culture today get in the way of worshiping you as we should and as you certainly deserve so Holy Spirit I ask that you would remove barriers warm our hearts help us to be more vulnerable and willing to boldly step forward and worship you as you alone deserve and as your people have been doing for thousands of years across cultures we pray this in Jesus name Amen